Man, this morning, uh, and the Lord just these these worship songs. I, I as we were singing, I was just meditating upon each and every one of them. Uh, I chose them very specifically because I wanted y'all to remember where you were at before Christ came into you, before Christ rescued you. I wanted you to remember the weight of that, the weight of us being sinners, the weight of us being sinful. And so as we get into the word, I, I really, what Apostle Paul is reminding the church who they are in Jesus. They're identifying themselves, who are they in Christ? He was pounding it. He was pounding it to the Colossae church in Christ, with Christ, in Christ, with Christ. Like constantly reminding us of that, the power of the union that we have in Christ and the remembrance of that. So when we're thinking of these words that I'm about to, uh, we're digging in, I wanted to share this because I want this to become very personal to you because it was very personal to, to Apostle Paul, specifically to the church in Colossae. Not Colossae, yeah, Colossae. And this is, I wanted to share this story. About eight years ago, and it's crazy because uh, in the beginning of April, uh, I, was, I was driving around with Sergio, and we were just talking, you know, like randomly talking, you know, normally we do. And we were driving out to pick up little Sergio, and uh, I was like, I'm driving, and he's talking about this conference, that, oh, we should get involved in this, this conference. I was like, man, and he just, he rung the bell, and he said the name of the conference, he said, Congreso. And this is for youth, you know? And I was like, oh, man. So it took me back. I was like, man. And I remember, and I has remembered the actual date. It was April the 3rd. And I was like, man, I remember when I took that trip. It was in Waco, Texas. And we took that trip. But I wanted to share this with you. Is that it was eight years ago. My wife, which was my girlfriend back then, she invited me to this conference. But I wasn't saved, guys. I was... I was in my sin. I was diving in. And I was like, she was consistent, pursuing, like, hey, babe, go. Come on. We need help for the youth. We need some chaperones. And I was like, no, heck no. And you can only imagine. I wasn't a Christian, so you already know I'm, I'm here cussing like a sailor, doing all, all craziness. Like, just, I didn't want to go. You know, there was like, oh, no. And she kept bugging the crap out of me. I was like, nah, man, I can't do that. But at that time, God was already working in me. I had this uh, death experience before I went to this conference. I already had ended up in the hospital. All these things that were happening to me, I, I kind of like, he sobered me up, and I started realizing the things that I was doing in my life. Everything. I was like, man, this is all about life. This is, this is it. Going out on some the weekends or drinking during the week, doing all these things, doing the drugs that I was doing. Was this it for me? I was like, that's what I had in my, my mind. I was like, God, is this it? And I was like, man, and my wife kept, well, my girlfriend, my wife, she kept bugging. And so that one night, I just like, we, we, got, we got in an argument. And that night, I just couldn't go to sleep. I was sweating. I was turning. I was like, man, I don't know what this is. But it was not a voice or nothing like that, but it was just something telling me, go. Go to this conference. I was like wrestling with it, man. I was like, you know what? I called my wife. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll go. So we're driving to Waco, Texas. I can't remember how long it was the drive. But along the drive, I was not happy. Not happy at all. I was angry at her. I said, like, I don't know why you're making me do this. I had to pay the rent. I had to pay this. I had to pay that. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I'm saying no to that to say yes to you. So I'm like 
blaming her on everything. And that first night, we go to a Baylor, a Baylor University, and we're in the basketball arena. And I'm sitting down. I'm just sitting down. I wasn't expecting nothing. I was like, man, I was just going to be here taking care of the kids or whatever. I sit down. And, and the crazy thing is that this preacher that was preaching wasn't like, I oh, think nothing out of the norm. He was just sharing a story. And I was like, this story was just, I was hearing it kind of sound kind of offensive because he was talking about this guy that was a handicap, that was crippled, and he was playing him out like he was acting this guy out, and it was like very offensive to me. I was like, man, you t- you're making fun of me, dude. I was like, hey, this ain't funny. I was like, this ain't, this is real. And I struggle with that. And so this guy is doing this, and I was just angry, angry. And then, but I, as I was hearing him out, I started realizing what he was doing. I was realizing what he was seeing. What I was looking and what he was asking for God to do, hey, can you fix this guy? Can you fix that guy? Can you do this? And I remember at a young age, I was always asking God, can you fix me, God? Can you fix the things that I'm struggling with? Can you fix this hand? Can you fix this foot? And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm hearing this, but when I say those things, there's anger and bitterness towards God. And it's because he never did. But then he kept going. And this guy said, well, he went to surgery. He went, he, he went to the hospital and they fixed his hand. They fixed his face. They, they helped him with therapy. And they did all these things. And every time he was touching that when they were doing something to him, I never thanked God on certain things that God did. I wasn't giving him the credit. I was giving the doctor's credit. I was giving all the therapist credit and all these things, but I was never giving God the credit. And um, so that being said, I was hearing this guy saying this, and then uh, it was eight years ago, and he tells me this. He's, he's, he's telling to the, to, the, to the audience, he's like, well, you know, that all this stuff that he's done, all that he's done, and I was like, really, you've been too good to me, God. And it got to the point where it became personal. I was like, I recall when I was at the hospital and you were there. I recall when I was crying and you were there. And when I was struggling with my sin and I was hopeless and helpless, you were there, God. I was recalling back to all the stuff that, it, that I thought that God wasn't there and he was really there. And I was, uh, at this moment, the guy's like, I'm already bawling. I'm already crying. I'm like, man, I'm like, man, I never cried like this before. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, my heart was like changing, just moving, like, like rattling. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, like a dead corpse rattling, and it was coming back, back to life. And I was like, and I was like, so when he said these words, he started sharing about the gospel. He started sharing of what Christ has done, how Jesus died for my sins. And crazy thing is, that's the one thing that I did remember as not being a Christian or not walking with Jesus, that Jesus died for my sins. And I was like, yeah, he did. Everyone was saying this. So I guess I'll say it too. Jesus died for my sins. Well, I'm still living my sins. I'm saying that. And, um, but right here, he says, you see all those sins that, that, that you committed? All the stuff. He kind of like, he says, your sins, your sins, specifically your sins, put them at the cross. And that hit home. That hit home to me, because at that moment, when he said those words, and it was just one word, he says, your sins, put them at the cross. And guess what happened to me? I'm looking at, it was like a movie on the front of my face, sin is ever before me. I'm like looking at all the sins that I've committed. Boom, 
flashback after flashback, flash, flash, like boom, 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 hitting me hard, hitting me hard. Like, oh my God, all the sins that I've committed against you, God. And I said these words, don't forgive me for what I've done to you. Is there hope for me? Is there hope for me? And he said, yes, there is. Christ. And so, when I go into this text, I want you to recall back to the basics, to what Christ called us. Because as we touch these verses that, that we're going to get into, I want you to realize this. Remind yourself that who you are in Jesus, but at the end of the day, it's healthy to know what he got you out of so you can be grateful. So that being said, family, I know Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Colossae. And so this is not even a, 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 a church that he planted. It was this other brother named Paphras. And this guy, man, he drives super, he, was walk, he walked super far to, <clears throat> to another place where, where actually Apostle Paul was preaching at, in, in Ephesus. And he, he goes all over there. He gets saved because he was going over there. And he gets saved and he comes back with that good news to his homeland, to Colossae. And everyone's hearing and he ends up planting this church. All right? But you have to recall when he's, Apostle Paul is writing this letter, where he was at. He was actually locked up. He was in house arrest. He was in chains and shackles. No way out. I was like, how can the gospel advance through that? Like, yes, through the, he never shut up. He's always going to be talking about the gospel. Thus, the pilot soldier or the Roman soldier or the, or the guys that are, are in chain with him, well, he, they probably got saved because him couldn't stop proclaiming the gospel. But, but I wanted you to see that Apostle Paul is writing this letter in shackles and in chains, locked up. And he's writing this letter to this church, an apostle, and this brother that started this church plant here, there was a concern that was going on. There were some false teachers that, was, that were in there teaching other, stuff other than Christ. Either they were taking away from Christ or adding to Christ. You have to do certain things to look like Christ other than trusting in him and treasuring him. So this was happening. So what Apostle Paul is doing here is like, okay, man, I'm going to bring you back to the basics. I'm going to bring you back to how it happened. I'm going to bring you back that it was God who did this work. It wasn't you. Okay? So now verse, we're going to be in verse 13, family. Verse 13. But uh, let, me, let me read from 6. It says, Therefore, as you receive Christ, the Lord Jesus, therefore, because of what I just told you, as you receive Jesus, Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. And I want to touch that right quick because it's talking about something. Your foundation. Your establishment. So it's bringing back to like, go back to Christ. Where your foundation is at. Where your rock is at. You know, so where, where you're rooted at. Like when stuff happens, go, things are going to happen, circumstances happen, false teachings are going to happen. But this, you're going to be steadfast. Put down, nothing's going to change your mind. Nothing's going to move you from the truth of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have this. And as, the, 
as he's telling them, listen, see to it that no one takes captives by philosophy, teaching, these empty deceits, these things that they're not going to save you, these things that are not going to help you according to human tradition, these things that are not going to do what Christ has already done for you. These elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. And he's touching on spiritual warfare. He's touching on demonic powers that these things are bringing. So for in him, the, the whole fullness of deity dwell bodily. I said, Paul, why are you doing this, man? Like, why is he saying this very specifically? Who is Christ? At the end of the day, religion or false teachings will always touch on this. Who is Jesus and what he has done? They will you know, discredit who he is or they discredit what he's done. So at the end of the day, who is Jesus? Are we in him? So as we continue to go, for in him, the fullness of deity dwell bodily. That like Jesus was God in the flesh. And you have been filled in him. Again. Filled in him. Like everything that you need is in Jesus. These guys say, well, we have the mysteries of God. Come over here so you can check it out. No, the mystery is Jesus Christ. And we already have him. So I, I know I'm just walking through the text, but I know I, with the verse 13 where we're going to focus on, I, wanted, I want you to see this. So, so uh, filling up in him who is the head of the rule and authorities, in him... Also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. <clears throat> having been buried with him in baptism, in which powerful working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made a life together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So we stop there, family. The, the reason why I shared the, my testimony is in the sense that we, have a, we had a previous condition. We had this previous condition before God's intervention, his grace, his grace was reserved at this moment. Not that he was already sharing his grace, but we didn't see this yet. We didn't see this grace yet. We didn't experience this grace that God had. Oh, I would have been long gone a long time ago, but because of his grace sustaining me. But when I realized, when I taste this grace, and here he says, Apostle Paul here in verse 13, and you who were dead. And I want, I want to focus on what this means. And you, Colossae Church, you were dead. Now, let's do this. Caruso, Grace, brothers, name your, put your name there. You were dead. And in your, your deadness, in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. I want you to focus on that right now. That with that deadness that he's talking about, is spiritual deadness. This thing where your heart was dead to God. There was nothing that you did. There's nothing that you wanted or no desire for God at all. 
Your life, if you said, I love you, God, all your actions felt louder than that. Your actions said, no, I don't. And that's truth for me. It was true for all of us here, especially those who are believers. I'll be lying to you if I didn't have that heart. But we were dead in our sins. We were separated by, from God because of this, because of sin. Sin is an open act of rebellion against God, and that's all we did, and that's who we were. And that's who we are. Because he says, and you were. You got to remind yourself that this, when he's saying, it is past tense. This is who you used to be. That's what you used to do. And even at this moment, you have to recall yourself, that's who you used to be. Because we sometimes end up going back to it. Sometimes we end up going back to that. Like, oh, man, God, how can God? I was like, ah, oh, God can't forgive me. But no, he did. But I, I want you to show this. I want to show this. Have you, uh, before I moved in here at, uh, at uh, right here, not that far from here, on Terry Street, I used to live in the Heights. And uh, I, I wanted to share this. I used to live in the Heights, and, and I like clockwork. I would like from work to work to the house, work to the house, work to the house, and I would remind myself. And there was this one day that I actually moved. When I moved, I moved over here. Because it was normal to me, I was always going, I would go back to that house. I'm like, I don't live there anymore. I live over here. <laughs> so I live over here. So at the end of the day, when, when we tend to go back to that. Go back to that we used to be dead in our sins. But at the end of the day, and as, we finish, as I'm going in, as you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, not only he says that you're acting on your sin, that you're sinful, period. That that's your nature. That's, no, that's rooted in you. This is what you do. You act on it. There's no one telling you, oh, do this lie. Louis, do this. Louis, do that. No, I'm doing naturally. It's part, that's who I am. I'm a sinful man. There's nothing that's coming out of me that is good. There's no one righteous. No, there's no one good. But God. But I'll... I'll and you who were dead in your trespasses. That word trespasses, I, I, was, I was looking it up and I was just thinking of this word trespasses. And, and I was like, man, and you always see these signs that says trespass, no trespass, you don't trespass. You know, these big signs. And there was this, church, this hospital not that far from here, uh, Jefferson David Hospital, I was in high school. This church, all of us, and, and probably somebody that's in here will remember that, that we will go to this place to see, let me see if it's actually haunted, supposedly. And so we'll go, and so we were walking at night to this place, and this, there's big signs, and there's big gate, there's big, there's a fence over it, and us and our, and our rebellion and our, and our just being dumb, we, look, we, we go over that, we jump over that fence. We jump over that fence, and it says, no trespassing. No trespassing. But no, we want to go see. We want to go see what's going on over there, see if it's true. And so we're in there, we're looking around, and, and we're like, our hearts are beating, and like, we don't know what to expect. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the, the fact that it was haunted. It's the fact that what happened while we were in there. Someone else called the cops. Somebody called the cops, guys. Someone called the cops, 
and the cops are looking for us with the with their little uh, how do you say it the their flashlight and they're looking for us and they're saying hey is anyone there like and we were just quiet but our hearts was like beating like oh my god we just did something wrong it's like it's it, in our conscience we know we did something wrong in our minds we knew that we did something wrong and we're just beating and beating I was like ah we messed up and I was like we're gonna get caught I don't know what the heck is gonna happen. So in short, it took a minute, it took like an hour or something, and they end up leaving, and we end up getting out and just running, running toward the car and leave. But this trespassing, though, we broke something. We broke a law. We broke, there was a sign there, a warning saying not to trespass, not to go over, but we did. This is exactly what it's talking about with these trespasses, that we were dead in our sins, in our trespasses. We went against God's command. We went against God's, we violated the violation of God's command. We've broken his law. This is what we did. This is in our nature. We, we want to do what we want to do. So in the sense of this, we do what we want. God tells us to do, we don't. God says don't, we do. We always doing that. That's always in our hearts. That's always in the struggle that we have in our life. So we commune and, and we continuously continuously do this. Even to this day, we still do. So these trespasses, we're on, it's in our nature. We do what is against God. We do, we rebel against who God is. And at the end of the day, the law of God is the character of God. The holiness. The holiness of God. And we're going against who He is. Because I want to be God. I want to do what I want to do. Okay, so this is it. But I want you to see this because at the end of the day, who did we offend? Who did we broke the law from? Who did we broke the law from? God. And there's there's consequences for that. There's consequences for this. And what is this? If the cops would have caught us, what would they do? Huh? Lock me up. Right? If they would have caught us, they would have locked us up. All right? If we would have done something worse, even to somebody that's more higher than a cop, a governor or something, or like that guy that killed a president, president it was, if they caught him, it was, the, the, the consequence was higher. Okay? So we did against God, it is even higher than that. So the offense is high. Not that we sin, like, oh, the sins, one sin is higher than the other. No, it's that all the sins are high because we offended a God that is holy and righteous and good. And we said no to you and yes to me. We said, no, God, I want to do what I want to do. And this is the weight of sin that, in, that we have, that we've done, that we have accumulated. And as I wanted to do this right quick, if y'all can go to Romans for me right quick. You see what I'm trying to do, family? I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to show you this, this thing that we have because of, because of God. Not because we act on sin, but we were born into it. Adam and Eve fell off. And then because of Adam and Eve fell off, we're in sin now. And see, we're born into this. We're born into it and we act on this. Why? Because they wanted to be like God. And at the end of the day, they already were God in the image of God. They were already valued. They already were 
a image of God. <clears throat> Just to, uh, before we go to Romans chapter, it's Romans chapter 2, family. And I'll be reading from verses uh, 5 and 6. And I just want you to see something as we continue to go into this, this being dead and, being, and, and the trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. <clears throat> the Word of God says this. But because of your hard, hard and impenit- <clears throat> unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself of the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And he will render to each one according to his works. And I want to focus on what he just said here. And so our hearts were this, in this previous condition, dead to God, separated from God, not wanting nothing to do with God. It was about me and not about God. All I want is me. If I'm going to do me, I'm going to Work for me, I'm going to do all these things for me, and no glory to God. And this was an offense towards God. As we continue, as we continue and continually doing this, continuously, we're storing up wrath. And what is this wrath? It's God's furious anger towards sin. Towards sin and sinners. This wrath. And the scripture says it's this crying out, this weeping and gnashing of teeth, this pain and agonize, this part of what we deserve, this, this thing that, that we're going to be suffering, that we're going to be separated from God, that all we're going to taste is the judgment of God. And this is what we righteously, righteously deserve because of our sins. We deserve this. I deserve this. I'm included in this. We all deserve the judgment of God. And we're just storing it up. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And what does this deserve? Death. What does the word say? The wages of sin is death. We're continuously doing this, family. We're guilty. We're guilty. And like I said about this movie, about, uh, about the way I saw my sins in front of me or ever before me, and it's not like, like, oh, I sin against people, and people sin against me, and I've done certain things, but it's not, it's not even that. I said, I sin against you, oh God. I sin against you and you alone. And so when we have this, I'm, I'm reali- we're realizing that all this stuff that we're storing up, that we're building up, that we're storing up the wrath of God for this, and this is what we righteously deserve. And all these sins are in front of us. Like a movie. There's, there, there's no way around that. There's no way around this. Right? Our sins are from us. There's no one hiding. We cannot hide from this. Now in Hebrews it says this. No creature is hidden from his sight. No creature, nobody. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And I'm building up to the next verse. But I really want you to see that there's no way hiding from it. We're literally naked in front of him. There's nothing you can hide from God. 
He is all-knowing. He is all-knowing. And we all deserve this. So now the next verse, verse 13, as we continue in verse 13, it says here, now I lost my spot. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God, now, oh, glory to God. God made a lie together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. God, God the Father made a lie together with him. Who is that him? Christ. Again, remember, with him, in him, is our union with Christ. It's so important to know that we are identifying ourselves in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. With Christ. He is my hope. He is my righteousness. He is my death. And no one, and this is where our hope is at. Because from that verse, we were dead. We were dead. Again, past tense. There's hope in there. <laughs> And you were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made a life together with him. With him, Christ. Don't forget that your union with Christ. You're identifying yourself in Christ. That is your new identity. This is who you are in Christ. The old self is gone. The new has come. You are a new creation in Christ, guys. This is what God has done. Nothing that you did, no works that you've done, because your, your righteous works are like filthy rags in his eyes. But know that it is his work, and it is his doing, his powerful work, that he has done in you. That he changed this uncircumcised heart, this unbelieving heart, this heart that not, had no desires for God. God has changed. And as we remind this past Thursday, a brother of mine reminded us that he removed the heart of stone. This rebellion heart that we have. That he gives us a new heart. A heart that is beating. A heart that is alive for God. That desires God. That wants to do the things that God has called him to do. And this is only God's doing. I will change you. I will remove this heart of stone. I will give you a heart. I, God, was going to do this. God made a life. God. So the author of salvation is God. And we give hope to him. And we give glory to him. A family. <clears throat> now we're here. All together with him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. How, what did he do? What did God do through Christ? He forgave us of all our trespasses. All the stuff. All the jumping the fences. All those moments. All those moments that we said no to God and yes to me. All those moments. God having forgiven us all our trespasses. How did he do it? How did he do it? He didn't just uh, remove it. He dealt with it. He dealt with it. And look what he says in verse 14. This is, this is the weight. This is the weight and glory of our Savior and our good news and the hope that we have in Jesus. Because if we know what we righteously do, a perfect, healthy way of honestly knowing what we actually deserve, family, honestly, what we deserve, the full wrath of God, we deserve the gnashing of teeth, the crying out. That a brother said one time that our crying and eternity, we will never, we all fill up the earth and overflow it with our cries. 
because of the sin that we've committed against God and we deserve this punishment, the wrath of God. But look at here, family. Glory to God. But God, right? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Hallelujah. This he set aside and nailed it to the cross. I'm going to repeat that one more time. I don't, I don't even think I have to uh, add to it or I don't say nothing. Look what he's saying. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with, with its legal demands that he set aside and nailing it to the cross. What did Christ do? Hallelujah. Praise his name. What did Christ do? He canceled the record of debt. A brother in Malachi says the, uh, the book of remembrance. That there's this list that all the sins that we've committed. Not only the list, the sins that we've committed, but this list, this sin has titles. This list, this, we actually identified ourselves with this list. I'm a liar, I'm a thief, I'm a robber, I'm an adulterer, I'm a homosexual, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a, all these things are in this list. And all of us are here guilty of this, one way or another. And this is, what the, this is what the gospel does. This is what Jesus does. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us. That stood against us with its legal demands. What did he do? He set it aside and nailed it at the cross. That all your sins, your name, Luis, Howard, Marshall, all the brothers that are here, he nailed it at the cross. Your list was nailed at the cross. You signed. You knew you owed this debt to God. Because we were accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And Christ said, yes, I'll nail that to the cross. I'll nail that to the cross. And, I don't, and I'll bear it for you. I'll take your place. I'll take your judgment. I'll take the wrath of God for you. Oh, if you don't worship if you don't watch it right now, if you don't realize the weight of this, that someone else took your place and that someone else was Jesus Christ. Oh, if you don't want to identify with Christ, come on, family. I want to be with Christ. I want to be buried with Christ. I want to resurrect with Christ. I want Jesus. I love Jesus because he first loved us. I was running my hellbound race. Going against God. And yet he chose to love us. He chose. He pursued us. As he said, God made alive with him. We were once dead. Now we are alive. In who? Christ. In Christ. Remind yourself in Christ. Who you are in Christ. You were previous condition. Now your present condition is because you're in Christ. Now you're a son. Now you're a daughter. And we seem, we seem that it can be very uh, common place to us here in church. We constantly say this, but realize that he dealt, he took your judgment. He took the wrath of God for you. He reconciled you with God because you were separated. You were enemy. You were enmity towards God. But he reconciled you to God. Christ. In Christ you have this. In Christ you are victorious. In Christ. He nailed all the sins and your 
titles in Christ who knelt on that the cross. Verse 16. It says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and pushed them to open shame. <clears throat> what else does he do? He doesn't just, he doesn't just cancel the dead. He doesn't just uh, uh, deals with the sin by kneeling at the cross, but he says this. His death, what did he accomplish? Why the, why the gospel? Why the death of Christ is so important to remember? Why is it so important? What does the cross accomplish? And he says he disarms the rulers and authorities, these demonic powers that had the keys, that actually had the records of death that we owe, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of our souls, had this list. What does the accuser do to us? Oh, you're not good enough. Oh, Mo, you messed up. Oh, Mo, how the heck can you be behind this pulpit? So you messed it up last night. You did some, your thoughts and the things you were doing, and other than you reading my word, yeah. And I was like, okay. I remind them, what, I remind them right here. Who canceled my debt? Who canceled my debt? Who, who nailed it at the cross? That list that you're pointing at, that list that you have for me, who nailed it at the cross? Jesus. You remember. Why is it so important to remember the cross? Because he, as our hope, as our hope and strength, he disarms the rulers and the authorities, put them to open shame, and, and by triumphing over them in him. Again, in him. You're identifying yourself in Christ. This is your hope. This is your strength. This is how we are victorious in Christ and only in Christ. But I like how Paul says this, though. He disarms the rulers and authorities and puts them to open shame. And no, and hear me out. Uh, Apostle Paul is actually in Rome, right? Locked up. So what's, what was he seeing a lot? Roman soldiers. He's seeing... Uh, the king, you know, the ruler, the emperors, and like who's overall, and like Caesar, and, and whoever is there. He's seeing all this in, in, in his eyes while he's writing this letter, right? And so he's, he, he's very specific how he writes this. And he says, he's, he says, he disarms. So when, it, like in Rome, when some, like they were against, they will go against, they will go to war, a, a war, and they will do this where they, they win and they triumph over this against the, the, other, the other king. And what they do, they'll bring the king and the, the ones that survive, the warriors that survive with him, and they'll put them on the road of Rome and show them, like, put them to uh, open shame. Like, they will walk, they just lost, and we're victorious. And, like, they were just, like, we are victorious. Like, this is what in Rome they will do. They'll put them into open shame, These, the, the ones they lost in war. And so this is the imagery that I see that Paul is bringing, that he says, he disarms the rulers and authorities and puts them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, again, in Christ. And as I close, family, I, I, want, I want this to be, <clears throat> as we close, <clears throat> so the cross the cross marks the defeat of demonic powers. On the cross, they're stripped of their power 
and the accused of Christians before God. Therefore, nevertheless, these demons were accusers or, or exercises. Oh, look what you did. Look what you did. And we will struggle with this, even to this day. Because Apostle Paul says it in Ephesians 6, 20, uh, 6 uh, 12. Nevertheless, these demons continue to exist and to exercise their power to excel evil to Christians must continue to struggle with them. This is what continues. And he says, at the end of the day, we're at war. At the end of the day, we're at war. But at the end of the day, we know when even the accuser comes or our thoughts, with our thoughts, with this unbelief in our hearts, in our minds, Christ reminds us that he's victorious, that this war has been won, that Christ won him at the cross and his resurrection. <clears throat> then this is family, and this is why the death of Christ is so important. It's so important. I'm pausing right now because I'm, 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 I'm realizing where my heart's at at this moment. Out of gratitude towards God. Gratitude towards Christ for what he has done. Because at the age of 23, I should have been dead. But he kept me alive so I can realize this, that he paid my debt. That he took my judgment. He gave me a new life. And even when, that, even when Satan tempts us, we remind him of this truth. I close this with, with this beautiful, this hymn, this hymn that I, that I love. It's, it's, uh, it's called Before the Throne of God. And he, in, in, in verse 3, it says this, Behold him there, the risen lamb. Verse 2, I'm sorry. When Satan tempts me in despair, I tell and tells me the guilt within. <clears throat> Outward I look and see him there, who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on me and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect, spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory, the grace, the one, <clears throat> the one with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hidden with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God that Christ took the wrath and satisfied it. That at the cross, not only did God show his love, but he also showed his justice. And he satisfied it. He died in our place. He took the full wrath on our behalf. Rejoice, family. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Because we have, we are in Christ Jesus, and Christ brought us to him. God made a life together with him. Amen.
Amen. Let's bow our heads, family.